See if you can find a book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 6. Being alone one day this week, had a chance to enjoy some thoughts I had, some reflections, looking back over the years, thinking of all the different times that things turned out really well when you didn't think they would and how God has brought things into a good place. I was sitting out in another little room outside my house the other day and I was looking around at all the the different things that God had given me. And I noticed this closet was full and that little thing was full and it seemed like it's just a lot of things and a lot of ways that God blessed me, but things that are worthless eternally. I mean, you can't take them with you, but he gives you richly all things to enjoy. You know that they're not for years to get all obsessed with. Just for the moment, he'll bless you. So I thought, you know, we need to just remind ourselves again that God wants to bless us, that it pleases God to bless you. And it pleases you to be blessed of God. In Numbers chapter 6, at the end of that chapter, God told Aaron, he said, now this is the way I want you to bless the children of Israel. And he said, verse 24, the Lord bless you. There's no one can bless you like the Lord. But he said, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And nobody can keep you like the Lord. This is what God wanted his people to know. This wasn't a man's idea to just say, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you. We say that, but this all originates from God. He said, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious or favorable unto you. Well, we're doing good when we get that far. But he goes on to say, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I don't know what else you could want in life. If you had a guarantee of all of these things that were going to follow you through your life, that your heavenly father said, now this is what I'm going to do for you. I don't know how you'd have a bad day. You may not feel good every day, but you're going to have a good day when you feel bad. Simply because God has promised, given you his word, that he wants to bless you. If he wants to bless us, fine. How many times does it say in the Bible? Many times. But I think every book in the Bible, you can't read it very far without realizing that God has a blessing for you. God has a promise with which he wants you to be blessed. He wants to favor you with blessings. Now, I know people think, well, that's all you ever talk about. No, it's not. But we ought to talk about it. This is one of those subjects you ought to talk about at least twice a year. You ought to preach a new birth every year, at least once. You ought to talk about being blessed at least twice. Then all the rest of it's about faith. <laughs> No, there's a lot in the Bible, but nothing is left out. For example, he said in Psalm 103, how many Psalms talk about blessing? 91st Psalm, I mean the 51st Psalm, the first Psalm we'll get to after a while. The psalmist said that this is what he wants to do. The Lord, he said, I'll bless you this way. 
He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, me doing this to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Because see, this is what I'm aware of. This has been the experience of my life. He's forgiven me all my iniquities. He's healed my diseases. He's crowned me. And you go and read through there. And instead of us reading that and wondering, why doesn't that work for me? Begin with the fact that he wants it to work for you. This isn't written just for us to have a little poetic moment. Let's read the lovely Psalms and enjoy the flow of poetry. No, these are words of life. God is saying to you, I want to bless you. I don't want you to spend the rest of your life struggling. You're going to struggle. You're going to have trials and problems in your life. But they're called light momentary affliction. They don't last forever. But a blessing comes and blessings rest upon you in this life and in the life to come. It's the Father's good pleasure to give and to bless his people. This word bless means to show favor or to be gracious to, whether you're talking about your health or your prosperity or well-being or you can name anything. I mean, whatever, happiness. God wants us like that. Did you know that your testimony to the world is that you have found favor in the sight of God? That God has personally related himself to you? And in two ways in our text, he said he wants his face to shine upon you and he wants his countenance. That's his presence. His, I can tell him. He's right. I can see it. He's here. That's how close it should be. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. What does that mean? We read that and just, it's just words. But when you read it or you study it or you prayerfully read it, you begin to realize God comes down to where you are. He says, here I am, and this is what I'm going to do for you. And sometimes we have to stop what we're doing, like I did just recently. And I did this. I mean, I stopped and looked around and started just taking stock of not only how the Lord has blessed me with things I have, but as I look back in my life, the good way he's led me. I could have died in a wreck. I could have perished here. I could have perished there. This could have happened. That would have been a tragedy. This could, but here I am. I'm still married, happily married. Now I am. <laughs> happily married, at peace, no fears, that none that I know of. I'm blessed as I go out. I'm blessed when I come in. And it looks like whatever I put my hand to has prospered. And sometimes we just need to stop not only and remind ourselves of how well you're doing, but just to stop and say, let's take time to bless the Lord. How good God is to us. How marvelous are his ways and, and, and so forth. And God said, tell my people in this way, I want to bless you. I want my face to shine upon you. I want you to experience my graciousness. That's his favor. I want you to realize that I want to lift up my countenance upon you, and I want to give you peace. Remember Jesus said, I give you my peace? Peace is freedom. It's a mental word. It's freedom from agitation. You're not living in that stressful 
frenzy. That's making the drug companies rich. But you found your peace in God and the simple, the simple way of life of just taking him at his word. And when he finds one of these kind of people, it's the Father's good pleasure to bless you and reward you. The world thinks we're crazy and God wants to bless us. Think of all the blessings. Tonight, you're well. You're not down and out and stowed up tonight. You're here, aren't you? You've got that to be thankful for. You breathed all day, didn't you? Didn't you get free air all day? Sure you did. You got blessed. Let's look at a few verses in the Psalms tonight. Just follow me for a little while. Let's, let's enjoy the moment tonight, okay? Psalm 65. What a wonderful psalm. They're all wonderful. And verse 4. This is wonderful. Blessed, blessed. Or we could say it like this. To, to be envied is the man. Who is he? I want this. Y'all want some of that? Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. God will bless us out of his house. His house is a good place. There are many blessings there. He said he can open the windows of his house and pour a blessing out upon you. He could. And he does. Who is this man? Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee. He shall be. Now, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer, raise your hand or anything. Has God chosen you? Now, a lot of people look like they were chosen. There's wheat and tares, isn't it? Has he chosen you? Has God in your life, can you say this as your testimony? God has caused me to come to him and dwell with him? Or is that just poetry? See, he said, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell, that he may dwell in thy courts. Let's begin with something we already know. The choice of who is God's people is not left up to me in this world. God is not static. He doesn't just make a statement and then sit back and see what's going to happen. All right, now you've heard it. What are you going to do with this? God not only speaks a word, but before he spoke a word, before there was a, what we call the Bible, before a word was ever recorded in Ephesians 1, God knew you. He knew his own, and he chose you to salvation. That's kind of tough for some people to accept, but I didn't write this. But he said, you did not choose me. In John chapter 15, verse 16, he said, you did not choose me. I chose you. You didn't one day just decide. You thought, I think I'll get saved today. No, sir, you couldn't get saved unless God first did something in you to work salvation into your life. It was godly sorrow, and it starts there, that brings the conviction of your lost state and gives you a desire to be saved. I sat in church my whole life, and it didn't mean anything to me until one day I realized. I, how did one day I just realize this? One day I realized that if I had died, I'd gone to hell. 
before that, I couldn't do much about it. I probably knew that then. But one day I realized that there was hope. And being ashamed of all my sins for all those years and the way I'd acted and treated God and other people all my life, all I could do was cry. I was sorry for all the things I'd done. Didn't know what to do with it except ask God to have mercy on me, a sinner. What else could I say? That old boy in the Bible that said that, the Bible said he couldn't even so much as lift up his eyes towards heaven. He saw the kind of person he was and said, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he got saved. But see, God does that work. You can't do that. You can know to be saved. You can know that God saves, but nothing's ever going to happen until God does the work. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Look in John 6 and verse 44. No man can come to me, Jesus said. Red letters. It's the real deal. No man can come to me except what? Now, Jesus said this, you cannot come to Jesus except or unless the Father who sent Jesus calls you. Does it say that? Something close to that? Well, then you're all right. Then how do we come to the Lord? Is it an invitation? It sure is. It's a sovereign, divinely directed invitation to you to be forgiven of your sins. The way has been made possible now. Jesus paid it all. And he has made it possible for sinners to be saved. And one day when it was your day, he did what he did, and you begin to see your sin. Never bothered you before. One day you saw it. And you, you broke down. Start crying, weeping. I did. A lot of people do. Most people do of some sort of sorrow. And then you turn to the Lord. And you come to him. And because you confessed your sins, he forgave you. And yet he forgave you because what he started, he finished. <laughs> we are blessed. Go back to Psalm 65. Blessed is the man whom thou chooseth and causes to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. Wow. Then if, if God called me, and if God chose me and directed me unto himself, then he also said he will cause something to happen, won't he? But did he say that or not? I'm going to let you off the hook tonight now. Think of this. God not only called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, but knowing that you can do nothing without his help, Jesus said that, without me you can do nothing. He said he will cause you to dwell. Not visit. Not be a good church member and then occasionally visit the house of God and experience some joy and a little bit of conviction. Stuff, but dwell. It's like Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. It's like a dwelling. It's a fixation with God. I mean, he comes in and he causes you to go out and there's a, a union there, a union between God and man. One of the most delightful subjects in the Bible, the whole New Testament, is the, is the indwelling Christ. Christ in you. 
it changes everything. If you're abiding in him. Otherwise, it's just a sermon. But notice, when he causes you to be his, he said he will cause you, when he caused that and brings you to him, he will cause you to dwell in his courts. Now, would God cause that? Could he cause that? Of course he could. I thought we just left up to ourselves and what we choose. Or can he, can he cause us to do? Well, of course he can cause things to happen. We sang a song. With all those minor keys in it. Cause me. What does he say? Cause me to what? Here. Turn to Psalm 143. You're not that far from it. 143 in verse 8. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Let me ask you a question. Could you be sitting here in some, now just make this up, okay? Could you be sitting here tonight in some dull way? Not, you know, have a long day, a hard day. It's, it's cold out, you're kind of warm now, and you're you know, kind of rubbernecking. Could he cause you in a state like that to hear something you weren't expecting? He could actually, see, he can quicken you. If he can quicken your spirit, he can, he can quicken you, period. And he can direct the word right into your heart, and it, oh, what, 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 what? And you start paying attention because that's the way God begins speaking to you. He causes it. Without him doing this, you would just drift, but he causes, he gets your attention, in other words. He said, verse 8, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. And then he goes on to say, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. Does he do that? Do I need that? This is a blessing. This is a blessing from heaven to cause you, to make you aware of the way you're supposed to live. This is the way you walk, and this is the only way that, that you can walk and dwell in his courts. You can't walk different than this. God wants to surround you with his favor. Didn't he say, I would have gathered you to me as a mother hen would her chicks? Then the 91st Psalm said, he will cover you? Well, there's a condition to this. You, you walk in his way, and when you do, it's, you couldn't ask for more in life. You wouldn't want more in life if you start experiencing the fact that God wants to surround you with loving kindness and, and tender mercies and bless you this way and bless you that way. She so said, blessed is a man whom you cause to come and approach unto you. Wow, he begins to experience things he could never, ever know. His eyes are open to see things in a way he's never seen them. Everything changes. He says, now I know. I know what I didn't know before. And he gets up a different man in the morning. He walks a different way tomorrow. He has an appetite now for something he hadn't had before because God is causing him to want to know how to live. This is evidence that God has brought you to himself. Turn to Psalm 119, verse 49. Remember, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast what? Cause me to hope. Now you think about some things here so far that God has caused. He said, cause me to hear. 
cause me to know and cause me to hope. Each one of these originates with God. If God doesn't do this, all they are to us are words. But when God causes words to have meaning in your heart, when you begin to recognize something that is beyond self and, and divine and, and that God wants you to hear and he makes you hear, he wants you to know so you can go, oh, yeah, now I know in whom I have believed, a, a deeper knowing. Then you have this hope, this expectation. It shall be even as it was told me. This is a man who walks peacefully with the Lord. He's not agitated and tore up. He has his troubles, he has his trials. We all do. In the world, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation. We must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom. There's going to be problems, but there are always solutions. But this man, this man that dwells in the courts of God, he has peace with the Lord. He does. Are you still in the Psalms? I know you are. Go to Psalm 32. This is where I keep the ribbon in my Bible. Psalms 32. What a wonderful, wonderful psalm. Especially verse 8. I claimed that one again this morning. This is not part of the message. This is free, okay? This is a little gift. How many times have you heard yourself in the last months, weeks, or days say, well, I don't know, I don't know what we're going to do. How we going? Well, I don't know how, I don't know, well, what am I going to, I don't know what. I've done that, but I get this check every now and then. Say, I, 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 I. What was the promise that God made? Did this psalm start out talking about being blessed? Then the first verse is saying, blessed is a man who's, who doesn't have any sin or iniquity to deal with. It's all been given, forgiven him. Then what does he say down in verse 8? I will instruct you and I will teach you what? The way you shall go, the way in you shall walk. He said, I will guide you or counsel you with my eye upon you. How personal is that? How much of the countenance of God or the face of God in your life is that? I will personally instruct you. I will personally, let me read it. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. Let me ask you all something. Again, we're not on the, the subject yet. We're just, this is a freebie, remember? God said, I will teach you the way I want you to go. I will teach it. I will instruct you. How would he do that? Lots of ways of quickening on the inside that are at unique awareness when you're going, hmm, wait a minute. What did he say? What was that? Or you're driving down the road and something pops in your mind about direction. Or you just heard yourself say, you know, unless such and such like something, something, something or the other happened, I won't be able to do this. And then something, something, something or the other, whatever I said does happen. And it's God's way of quickening you, talking to you. He's teaching you how to walk with him, how to be still and know who he is, how to pay attention, be cautious and circumspect. He just teaches you sometimes to realize that wisdom doesn't come in through an open mouth. You're going to have to keep your mouth shut and listen a little while and let God talk to you and listen to what he's saying. See what your heart says. 
let things begin to happen on the inside. Just be still. And he begins to teach you and instruct you. Next thing you know, hopefully, hopefully every one of you and your children will be able to look back when they get past the busy years of their life, the frenzied years, and you start slowing down your pace a little bit and start really enjoying life. Actually, there's leaves on trees. I'll be, look at that. There are birds that sing, I'll be, I've been so busy, I never saw that. And then you begin to look back at this time in your life and you look back at all the ways the Lord has led you. And he's blessed you when you've come in. He blessed you when you went out. He's blessed everything you put your hands to. He's prospered you more than you ever thought he would. And look at the toys you've got now. You don't even need them. Don't even really care about them. But he gave them to you because you asked him. It's the Father's good pleasure to give, isn't it? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will make life miserable for you. He said he give you the desires of your heart. He gives us richly, Paul wrote, all things to enjoy. Not be possessed with. Easy come, easy go. You let nothing own you. You can own that, but don't let it own you. I mean, this is a blessing in life. Well, you're, you not only have found peace with God, but your father's good pleasure is to bless you. Didn't he tell Solomon once, what do you want? Ask what you will. Ask what you will, Solomon. And Solomon said, I want wisdom to know how to stand before these people and leave them out and bring them in. I just want to be able to be to them what you would want me to be. In so many words. You know what God said? He said, because you didn't ask for riches and treasures and all that for yourself, but you've asked for, for something really spiritual, he gave him more than any man in this world ever had. Gave it to him. He didn't ask for it. He gave it to him. That's the way it is. But go back to the first of this psalm. Now the freebie's over. Go back to the first part of Psalm 32. Blessed is a man that God does not hold sin against. That God has forgiven him all of his sins. What does that mean? How would we find that to be such a great blessing? Because, you know, forgiveness of sin is such a common word in church. I don't know if we think about it as being a blessing. All my sins have been forgiven. I had more than most all of you, and they're all gone. You forgave me all my sins. All those miserable things, they're still in my hard drive. You know, I have to kick them out every now and then. But every evil and ugly thing I've ever done has been forgiven. Every wrong thing I've ever thought, every vile thing I've ever done, everything that kept me away from God has been forgiven. With a nod of his heart towards me, a nod of his head, his heart, I made clean. Though my sins were like scarlet, he has made them as white as snow. What does that mean? I can stand before God in true sonship. I belong to him. For you see, the Bible says, I've been bought with a price. I am no longer my own. He wanted me. Didn't he choose me? Didn't we start with that? I belong to him. He brought me out of the miry clay. He brought me out of the darkness. He purchased me with his own blood. With the blood of God, it said we were purchased. 
Why would he purchase me? I don't know either. I say the same thing about y'all. You know why? Because he wanted to. And what he has started with us, he's going to finish it. He isn't leading us anywhere he can't keep us. He isn't leading us anywhere we can die and be lost. What he started, he will continue on until it's all over. Why? Because he's God. How is it that we can come boldly to the throne of grace? Because there's nothing to keep you away from God. What one thing separates a man from God? Sin. Isaiah 59. He said, your sins and your iniquities have separated between you and God that he will not hear. Oh, you can still go to church. You can preach sermons. You can be a deacon, an elder, but you don't have a relationship with God if there is sin in your life and you're living in sin, you're practicing sin, and you won't give up your sin. I don't think God hates you, but you've just caused the blessing to stop. You can feel good and all of that and, and somehow be encouraged, but it won't work. But think of it, when all that's gone, the barrier between a man and his God is removed and all that's taken away, that man stands before the Lord blessed. If you ask anything in my name, what did he say? I'll do it. Just keep your life clean. Keep it clean before God. And he'll show himself strong in your behalf. Are you still in the Psalms? Let me give you a third one. Go to Psalms 1. Oh, boy, this is good stuff here. You're getting in tennis shoe country now. How many of you know what tennis shoes means? What's it mean? You might want to take off running. But Psalms 1, blessed is the man. You want to be the man or the woman? Blessed is the person well, here's what he said. Blessed is the man that negative does three things. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, you can go a long way with that if you're willing. I don't know how bold you are about who out there is trying to conduct the affairs of your life who's not even saved. There's a lot of them. I don't care if we're educated or not. I just leave that to you to think about. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. His friends are not sinners. Now, I know how that sounds, but that's what I mean is his friends are not vile people. He doesn't stand with them and run with them and drive his joy in life, his fellowship with people like that. You can't get away from them for the world's full of them, but they're not your choice of friends to run with. And he does not sit in the seat of the scornful. That'd be talk shows. He does not like to hear people put people down and criticize and backbite and, and bring up stuff and just yakety-yak about this. He stays away from all that because he knows that's not good. God didn't teach him to listen to that or to talk like that. So here's a man, first of all, he's blessed because there's three things, three things that this man does not do. And the word blessed here means a man of bliss. The word means bliss. I mean, you get the picture of a man. Blessed is a man. What if I said exuberant? Is that okay? Blessed is the man. That wouldn't be blessed. How y'all doing? I'm so happy. 
<laughs> no, you don't have to act like the village idiot either, but you can, you can sure be joyful. A whole lot of your joy comes from the fact that things that used to hang on, you're gone. All your guilt is gone. All that ugly trash, it's, you just, it's gone. Your lifestyle has changed. The way you relate to God is now the way he wants it to be, and everything is changing. All things are becoming new. Old things are passing away. And he said in the Psalm 1 that this is what happens. He not only lives his convictions. He's been taught there are people in this life you don't hang around because if you do, they will affect your relationship with God. Didn't it say something in 1 Corinthians 15 about your companions? Evil companions do what? Corrupt. So their influence on you can corrupt you. Make you embarrassed about just being related to God. You pray over your food and when they're around and you kind of have to act like your eyes are itching. I think it's from Then you can start, you know, you don't want them to know it. They're corrupting you. You, you want their favor more than God's favor. You chose them. God didn't choose him. He chose you. The second verse, his delight. This is the man that's blessed. I hope I'm talking to you. His delight, his valuable thing, that which has worth to him, delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He loves the word. Didn't always love it. But he loves it. Didn't God say he would cause you to hear it? He said he would cause you to hear it, didn't he? Well, the more you hear it, I promise you, when God is orchestrating this word to your heart, you're going to like it. Because it's, it's going to be in agreement with the spirit on the inside of you. Your mind has fought you and kicked this stuff out all your life. Now you've got a new heart. Your mind's being renewed. The things that used to aggravate and agitate is giving way to the power of this word. You're getting cleansed. You're getting changed. If it's working like this. Otherwise, it's same old, same old. But he said he will delight himself in the law of the Lord. He said, and in his law, he meditates every Wednesday evening. How's that? Praise God. And Sunday mornings. He delights himself in the Lord, Wednesdays and Sundays. He delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates all the time. He's thinking about it all the time. He's a word of God man. He's word of God minded. He looks at things out there, and the, and the Spirit of God will kick up a word about it. Somebody will say something and he'll, the Spirit of God will kick a word to your mind. That's the work of the Spirit to, to answer a person. You hide the word in your heart. That's what the Spirit of God uses to refine you, to change you, and to make you a warrior and win your battles. It's a sword. You got to hide it in your heart. He calls you to hear it. You hide it in your heart. You begin to experience it. You begin to enjoy it. Give me more of the sing them over Again to me, how much longer are you going to preach? He doesn't say that. He said, I want to hear the word of God. And so you hear it. I can say, and I don't want to go back to those days, but I, that's all I know. 
I didn't live in the other day. It's only I've lived in my days, the only day I've ever lived in. But I remember when I got saved. And I'm not adding to it now. I'm not making it. God knows. But I remember the joy, the absolute joy of going to church. Because we knew we were going to see each other. We were going to do this. It was tough in the beginning to do that in a Christian church. You kind of had to do it like this. You know, pat the cake a little bit. But... Boy, God just kept releasing a little bit more. And you, and you knew you were going to get together and do that. We were going to go fellowship in somebody's house afterwards. And we were going to talk about the word of God. And that's all we talked. We argued a lot, talked about the word, but we learned. Nobody got mad. Nobody broke up. We'd go to revival meetings. Anybody to talk the word to. We'd pick up some poor hitchhiker and just wore him out. Man, he heard the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation in about two hours and just wore him out. Couldn't hold it back. I'll tell you this, in my experience, my personal experience, that's changed. That ain't like that anymore. It should be. Because I think when you grow in grace and you grow in the knowledge of God, it should get rich. It should be something in you that just enjoys being fed. Something there that is just good. And if it's not then something that needs to happen doesn't sound like it has happened. But I think of it. Blessed is a man that you choose and cause to approach you and you cause that man to dwell in your courts. You cause him to hear your word. You cause him to know the word. You cause him to hope in his word. Let's face it. Some of us can't help it. We just love it. This is our life. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. We've had bios life or natural life, but boy, spiritual life, zoe life just adds a new dimension to living and being alive on this earth. Having peace with God. But he said, his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know how you know it is? Because he meditates in it all the time. He likes to read it, think about it, and talk about it. You know how God blesses him? You know what blessing awaits that kind of man? Look at verse 3. It is actually in your Bible. It is there. It is there. He shall be. Doesn't it say that? How shall he be? He shall be like what? Like a tree. I'm like a tree like a tree. I'm like a green olive tree in the house, but he shall be like a tree of what? Planted by the river. What's a river mean? There is a river. The river is where life is. The water flows through the roots. It's, it's wisdom to plant a tree where there's life and there's water and it has an unending source of water. What about his fruit and his leaf? It'll always be green, won't it? And his fruit shall always what? Prosper. And whatsoever that man does, what does the Bible end that third verse by saying? And whatsoever he does shall what? Prosper. Not only will he do well or accumulate, prosperity includes that, you can't get away from it. But prosper also in a bigger meaning, it means he shall do well. Life is not just a continual hardship for him. He shall do well. 
God causes it. Doesn't your Bible say if a man will do verse 1? And if that same man in verse 1 will also do verse 2, then that same man will experience verse 3. Doesn't it say that? Then if you want to be blessed like this and have this as your testimony, there is nothing tonight to keep you from doing it. You've all got a will. You all have time. You all have the opportunity every day to read, to make decisions, because you live by decisions, every one of us. And God promises this. You'll be like a tree. Now, he went and said in verse, verse 4, it's not like this with the ungodly. All they can do is wonder why it doesn't work. All they can do is complain after they hear the message. I'm talking about the ungodly. It's just complain about what's going on, what they heard. I don't know about that, blah, blah, and all that yakety yak. The godly don't say that. The ungodly do. The Bible says that judgment, when judgment begins at the house of God, it said, what will the sinners and the ungodly do? Sinners, I know what they are. Ungodly might be a, something in the church that just didn't get it or didn't try to get it. But I don't know. That's, I don't want to go up, and, go up into that or get onto that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Does your Bible say that a faithful man shall abound with blessings? Proverbs 28, a faithful man will abound with blessings. Abound doesn't mean occasionally. Abound means it's a continuous experience, just plenty. Is it wrong to have plenty? What about good measure shaken down and running over? Is that too much? You didn't write that. Jesus gave us that. Turn to Deuteronomy 28 just for a moment. He said, he shall make us plenteous in goods. He actually did. Deuteronomy 28, and it said in verse 1, and it shall come to pass if you will diligently hearken unto God. That's the first thing you do. But who causes us to hear? God. You're going to be clear with this. He's going to show you exactly what it means. You'll be without excuse. Because the diligent part is your part. Now you hear it, that's enough emphasis from heaven. Now do you want it? Then get it. Seize it. In verse 2, he said, and all these blessings. I hope your Bible says all. All these blessings might or shall, shall come up on him and Overtake him. <laughs> I don't want to be dramatic. I, I can't help the, the drama part because I'm trying to make a point. I want you to get this. But all these blessings shall come upon him and overtake him, any of you. It's just for whoever wants it, whoever desires this. Here's a promise from the Almighty God, one of many. All these blessings shall come upon you and... They shall overtake you. He didn't even say here you had to ask for these. He didn't even say if you'll ask for these things to happen. He just said if you will delight yourself in the Lord, you'll diligently hearken to his word and all of that. He said all these blessings shall come upon you and they shall overtake you. All of them. Look at verse 15. 
But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord, then all these curses shall come upon you. Now, which would you choose? You see, actually, here's the way this is. It's an either or. There's no in between. There's no halfway. It's either or. I like that part of the Bible. It's either or. It's this way or this way. There's no in between. You're either up or you're down. You're either in or you're out. That's just the way it is. You got to make the right choices in life. And he said, if you don't make the right choices, then you invite a curse. That means the opposite of a blessing. You won't be blessed. You won't find his face shining up upon you. You'll be restless, probably angry so much of the time, moody, not really free, kind of tense, not at peace. You keep trying to say, I go to church, I read my Bible. But there's more to it than just going to church and reading your Bible. The diligently hearken and they make an application of the word is your, is your responsibility. Look at what he said. I want all of this. And if it was a way that I could say whatever you don't want, I'll take it. I would do it. Because somebody ought to get all this. And he said, verse 3, he'll, he'll bless you in the city and he'll bless you in the field. And you know there's nowhere else you could be. You're either in the city or you're out in the country. You're one of the other. There ain't no other place to be. If you're in a big building, you're in the city. If you're in a barn, you're in the country. I mean, there's no other place you could be. So he covers that. Wherever you are, blessed shall be the fruit of your body. That's your children. And the fruit of your ground, that's your garden if you have one. And the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind. And the flocks of thy sheep. Now, I don't know if I've ever had much of a desire for sheep. But you got to realize that the Jewish people were agricultural by nature. They weren't painters and sculptors. They didn't do paint Jesus or make figures like the Greeks. They were agricultural people and farmers. So going on to verse 5, he'll bless your basket and your store. Let's call that a refrigerator and a pantry if people still have pantries. Blessed shall you be when you come into church or home or wherever you are, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Where else could you be? If you're in, you're blessed. If you're out, you're blessed. Where else could you be? Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse 7, the Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. Didn't he say that? He did. God will cause that. He said, God will cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before these seven ways. He even said in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, he said, with regard to money, he said, if you'll do what, you're, what God wants you to do, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, the one that's robbing you. I will personally rebuke him and stop that stuff. That's the end of poverty. Look at verse 8. You like that? Let me read it. The Lord shall command the blessings upon you and in your storehouses and in whatever you do. Whatever you put your hand to do, he'll, he'll just bless it in the land. That's what he'll do. What if I read it like that? I guess that's the way I'd believe it. No big deal. Nothing to it. What well, if you say the Lord will command the blessing upon you in whatever you do? 
boy, women ordered flies on this like flies in the summer. Whatever in that kitchen I put my hand to is going to prosper. You walk in the, what are you cooking? Oh, this is God sent here. This is a meal from heaven tonight, boy. Whatever you put your hand to. My goodness. Verse 9 is the whole purpose of all these blessings. He will establish you as a holy people. That's what brings favor anyway is holiness. And verse 10 is your testimony. You young preachers over here, verse, verse 10, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 10, what does it say? And all the world shall what? Shall see that what? That you're what? That you're called by the Lord. That's them radio preachers. They got one guy that reads and they stop the reader and they start talking. I get you all, I get a little older, I'll make one of y'all a reader. And I'll say, wait a minute. <laughs> he said, all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. They shall fear you. There's something about you that is so different from everything in the world. They don't want you around them, but they're afraid to mess with you because they're afraid you might pray. And the next verse, I didn't write this one either. How many of you know I didn't write this? And the Lord shall make you what? I mentioned it a while ago. I wanted you to see it. It just took me 10 minutes to get to it. But the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. You know, I, I know if I say I am, so I say, he's boasting. I don't want to sound boastful. I'm just wanting to glorify God. He did this. Years ago, sitting just like you are with a big smile on my face, wondering how he's ever going to do this because I, what have I have? Who am I? And yet, I'm looking back now, 74 years old, almost, looking back and thinking, you know, everything I've asked for, he's given it to me. Most of it's junk. Most of it is just junk. It may go bang, and it, and it may go, but it's junk. But he's given it to me. It, he has. He shall make you plenteous in good and the fruit of his body. Boy, this church got that testimony. And the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy ground, which the Lord your God gives you. And the Lord shall open for you his good treasure, the heaven to give you rain in your season and bless all the work of your hands. Folks, if these few verses, down to verse 12, if that doesn't bless you, just reading it, there really is something wrong with you tonight. And you need to tap yourself on either shoulder you want to tap and say, there's something wrong with you. Because these are words from God to people like us who are nobodies. And he wants to give us the things that the world can't, are trying to figure it out. And they can't. Look at verse 13. The Lord shall make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be blessed coming in. Whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Well, praise God. Let's make a song out of this too. If we sing the song, we'll memorize it all. These are the blessings of God. This is what God has for us. These are the ways. Just, just a few of the things tonight I want you to see. I know you know this. I know you know this, that God wants to bless us. Go to James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. Temptation means testing, being put to the test. Blessed is that individual who has proclaimed Christ, 
who is willing to endure testing. How many do you know because of the trials quit? How many because of the pressure it seemed that God was laying down on them for divine reasons quit? It wasn't fair. That's too much. I can't handle that. Why me? Why, how much longer? Why don't I and, and just complaining? Your Bible said, if you want to be blessed, he said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Does it say that? That's eternal life. He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And one of the ways you show God that you love him is by staying put and not giving up and running. Of course, there's dark nights in this life. Of course, there's difficulties in this life. Yes, there's a thousand questions you don't know how to answer. Maybe 2,000. I've been asked questions for how long we've been at church, that many years. The questions I can't answer. Why? 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 I don't know. I don't know why. All I know is that God's never been wrong and he's not wrong now. The difficulty we're going through, he'll show you what you need to know. Just stay put. Don't give up. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Now take the word temptation. Look at verse 2. He said, count it all joy, What? Is that what verse 2 says? Count it all joy when you fall into different kinds, divers, different kinds of testings? Does that mean there are various ways that God will test you in this life? Is not the testings of God usually so that you can, you can confirm in your heart that you really believe what you've heard? You say you believe in Whatever you've been taught, you say, I praise God, I believe that. And not long afterwards, you're put to the test. That's not bad. You're going to find out if you really believe that or not. Most people haven't. A lot have, but a lot of people just say, I don't know about all I'm giving. They want it as easy as they could get it. They don't want to have to pay that kind of a price to walk it out or hold fast or endure and do that. They don't want to do that. So they never really did confirm that they're believers. Now, they're hopers, but they can't say they're believers. See, faith has a goal. The end of your faith is the what? Salvation of your soul, 1 Peter 1, 9. That's the end of your faith. Salvation is a process. It begins with the new birth. It terminates at the resurrection of your body. And in between... It's the changing of the life. You got the spirit and the soul and then the body. And it's right now, it's this changing of our life. It's not easy. The one who sits as a refiner of silver is going to try the sons of Levi. That was a priestly tribe, and we're a kingdom of priests, and he's going to put us all to the test. When it's over and we stand before God, God wants to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servants. You can't say that if we quit because we weren't faithful to the end. We gave up. He wants us to hold fast. So he said, blessed, 
Blessed is the man who endures and blessed is the man who rejoices in all of his trials. The word temptation is translated try in 1 Peter 4 in verse 12 when he said, think it not strange. Remember this one concerning the fiery trials which are to try you. That's our word temptation, putting to the test. Think it not strange when you're in a meeting with all these blessings and all the comforts of the gospel and all the promises and the lofty life. In the meantime, he said, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials that are to try you. But as he said in James 1, rejoice. You get a chance to put a smile on your face when everything is going wrong. You get a chance to show other people that in spite of what's going on, you've got the victory. You don't need anybody to sit down and counsel you. You don't need to make three or four phone calls. You don't need to access. So people say, what's wrong with you? You say, everything's just falling apart. You don't need that. You just said, no, sir, I will turn to the Lord and trust the Lord. My help comes from the Lord, not the hills from the Lord. God will give me strength. I will trust the Lord. I will cast all of my uh, care over on him. That's what you do. You don't go around seeking sympathy. And as long as you're seeking sympathy, you're not seeking the kingdom. You say, well, I'm having fiery trials. We all have them. We all have them. And you have to trust the Lord. That's how you prove yourself as somebody who not only confesses, but somebody who also believes. In the same sense, how about another one here? Blessed is a man that endures chastening. Chastening means instruction. It means to discipline. It can mean to punish. It can mean to teach. The word chastening in the Greek, it can mean to teach somebody, correct somebody, discipline somebody. We're told in the Bible, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Remember Proverbs 3? And in Hebrews chapter 12, he said, and don't faint when thou art rebuked of him. God isn't going to let you get by with anything very long. If you're not walking the way you should and you're kind of taking liberties with his word, how many of you know he can chastise you? He can flat put you on your back. But turn to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 is a pretty interesting picture here of chastening and what God does and a reason for him chastening you. 1 Corinthians 11, remember he's talking about, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you. In verse 30, you see that? All right, so he's talking about what's wrong with the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church had apostles. They had prophets. They had evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They had all the five-fold ministry gifts in that church. All the gifts operated in that church. And yet there were those who were weak and sickly. Now, how could that be in a church with all this power? Because people aren't responding to God as they should, and they've cut themselves off from the power. How many of you know if somebody's under chastening, you can't get them out from under it because you pray for them? I rebuke his chastening from the Lord. I command God's chastening to come off you. You can't do that. Sometimes you have to tell a person well, what you're asking for. I can't pray. I'm not going to pray against God. I don't know what's going on here, but... Maybe that's what your clause is for. Get in the closet and find out what's, what's going on. But you notice, he said, this cause there are many weak and sickly among you, 
And then he says, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we saw ourselves as God sees us and we refuse to compromise ourselves and justify ourselves, but would reach a verdict against ourselves in agreement with God, we wouldn't cause God to have to judge us. And this is what he means by that. But we are judged, verse 32, we are judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. Why? What end goal? For what purpose? Well, I hope you see this and we can go home if you can see this. We are chastened of the Lord. We are corrected by the Lord so that what? We will not be condemned along with the world that is condemned. Do you believe the world's condemned? Do you believe a Christian can kind of fool around and go back in the world and play with the world while he's in church? Read the whole first Corinthians. They were all kinds of sideways with the Lord in this book, first Corinthians. But he said, we are chastened when we are chastened of the Lord. We are judged of God so that God won't have to judge us. Any we don't want to be condemned with the world. You live like the world. You act like the world. You'll be judged with the world. And to keep that from happening, he has a way of taking you to his heavenly woodshed. And most people, they wouldn't have a clue what a woodshed is, would they? Or a coal bin. I grew up with a coal bin in the backyard. Never mind. Are you telling me, Brother Hamilton, that when we're not living as we should, that God can deal with us in a way that uh, he gets our attention to correct us? so that he does not have to judge us. Because if he doesn't correct us and we stay like that, he will have to judge us. So chastening is to prevent us from being judged and bring us back into favor with the Lord. It doesn't feel good. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous, does it? That's Hebrews 12. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless. It brings the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are exercised thereby. Not everybody's chastened. Who's chastened in this life? Who does God chasten? Doesn't the Bible say God chases every son that he receives? Did he receive you? Did he choose you or not? Well, then don't think it's strange concerning the correction that we all go through. Those days in which you don't know what to do and you're about half ticked off and nothing seems to work. Maybe you need to stop and ask the Lord, what's going on here? Have I missed it somewhere? You probably have. He's correcting us. God doesn't come down and hammer us every now and then and say, well, you haven't had a good whooping in a long time. I'm going to wear you out today. He doesn't do that. That would be unrighteousness. But when he sees that things aren't as they should be, and we're not trying like we should, or we're not wanting to go all the way he wants us to go, he's got a way of getting his hand on you. Calling you aside and making you know that you're wrong. You quit telling everybody you're a victim. You're wrong. And he wants you to get things right. He does. And then finally, Psalm 89, then we'll close. In verse 15, blessed is the people who know what? The joyful sound? Amen. Let me get this right. Blessed to be envied. And honored of the Lord are those people, whoever they are, who know the joyful sound. How many of you were ever in church and you sang that hymn? 
We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Salvation. Have y'all ever heard, y'all ever go to church? What is a joyful sound? If we go back to where we started tonight, his countenance and his face, the joyful sound is his voice. It's when he speaks. It's when he declares to you whatever he wants you to know. And what God is saying to you that enhances your walk with him is always joyful. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God loves you. God cares for you. God didn't bring us together and make us meet together and, and bless us in our hearts with salvation. And all. He didn't do all of this so we could strive and suffer the rest of our life. He loves us. He wants you to know that when his word comes, you light up. We have heard, because it is something to do with hearing, isn't it? Well, maybe it's the trumpets. Maybe when they sounded the trumpets in Israel, it was a call to assembly. Or if they sounded another way, it was a call to arms. You know, the trumpets for the way you got them together. And not everybody hears that. Not even today when God speaks. Most people, and I'm talking about the world, most people aren't interested. I hope you are. I really do hope that you are. I do. I absolutely do. Because there's nothing else in life that can do what God wants to do with us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to bless these people. The word that you put in their hearts, may it be your words and not mine. I ask you to guide their steps and guide their affairs. Make them to know that we have a responsibility to this world to live a testimony a favor with God that we can be ready always to give an answer to those who ask us a reason of the hope that we have and that grace and meekness can be upon us and we can share the message with them that you've shared with us dear God the people before whom I stand profess you to be their God they're your people then they're not mine I ask you to personally bless them. Even as you've said, you've already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I pray that the showers of those blessings will begin to fall upon us and we will begin to walk in the newness of life as you meant it to be. And I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.